I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Hello, fellow mourners of diet culture. It is I, Emily Lubin. I'm the Grim Reaper and the host of this show. Welcome to RIP Diets. We're tearing through season three and I'm back with the fourth episode of this season. So psyched. We have a great conversation for today that I'm going to get into shortly. I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet today because I've been having a rough go of it the past few days. I've been struggling with a bout of anxiety and depression and I just feel like a dark cloud has been hovering over me for a few days. I still have to remind myself that as someone who definitely struggles with mental health, it's so normal to not always feel your best. And it's really easy to forget that these feelings are normal. Of course, if it lasts for weeks or months, that will be more of a cause for concern. But I'm just going easy on myself right now, trying to stay off social media as much as possible because that does not make my anxiety better. Shocker, I know. And I'm also allowing myself to feel my feelings. So if there's anyone listening who's struggling right now, I want to remind you that if you've dealt with disordered eating in the past, you're definitely more likely to have some mental health flare-ups, especially throughout your recovery. This is so normal and I feel it too sometimes. This is not an excuse to turn to food to solve your problems, whether it be restricting or binging. Those behaviors are more likely to happen if you're suppressing your feelings. So rather than meal planning or stressing yourself out about what you're going to eat, take some time today to sit by yourself, be with your feelings, listen to some music, do some deep breathing. Just take some time for yourself today and I promise you you'll feel better and this too shall pass. And if it doesn't, see a doctor, get some meds if you need meds, but don't use food or food restriction as medicine because that won't heal a damn thing, girl. Take it from me, the Grim Reaper. And by the way, a few things that you might forget to do or you don't feel up to doing when you feel depressed that will truly help if you can muster up the energy. Drink water, okay, stay hydrated, take a shower, take a walk outside, and this one I personally feel is so painful, but clean your room. My room was a mess this morning, and even though I didn't really want to, I realized that my mind would be so much clearer if I could do my work in a nice clean room rather than a dumping zone. So I spent about an hour cleaning, put on some music, got it done, and I already feel so much better. I don't feel fantastic, but just having a clean space really does help cleanse the mind, so to speak. These little things that you neglect when you're feeling down really do make a difference if you can force yourself to do them. Also, while I'm talking about my feelings, please feel free to reach out to me about this season's episodes or let me know if you've been having mental health flare-ups as well. I think it's pretty common this time of year. Shout out to my seasonal affective disorder queens. I'd love to commiserate with you or just hear from you in general. Send memes, send words of encouragement, just DM me to say hi. I love it all. And while you're at it, leave me an Apple podcast review for this podcast if you enjoy it and you want to help me spread the good word. This is a recent Apple podcast review that made me smile. Seriously, nothing makes me feel more motivated than hearing how this show has helped you. So I just wanted to read this. The title of this review is Emily Should Run for President. This podcast has opened my eyes to the shame, guilt, and horror that I felt against my self-image. 
In everyday occurrences, I've noticed how our world is subject to diet culture and how it has affected us so deeply that people will live their entire lives wishing they looked different. Emily is my savior. I hope for so many more seasons to come. Such a nice review, really lifted my spirits and... I think it's a great template if you want to write an Apple podcast review. You can create your own name on it. So it's basically anonymous um, if you're a shy queen and don't want the attention. You can make up your own name and it really helps spread the word about the show. It helps with ratings. It helps boost the visibility of this show. So if you could do that for me today, much appreciate. And personally, I just love reading them. Guys, if you're not following me on Instagram, what are you doing with your life? I am Lubination on Instagram. You can also follow the podcast at RIP Diets and join the new Discord chat. I am loving the conversations that we're having on there. The Discord app is a free app and we can talk about pretty much anything. You can find the link to the RIP Diets Discord chat in my Instagram bio. Or if you are currently in the Facebook group, which is dead and buried, I won't be using it anymore and I won't be able to accept any new members anymore. So we're moving permanently to Discord. If you're in that group, my boyfriend Andy recently posted the link to the Discord chat there as well. So if you don't have Instagram or if you just want an easy way to get there, he did post that link. So join me on Discord. There is a thread for every single episode and also other threads where we can talk about everything, body image, diet culture, body acceptance, body neutrality, you name it. Can't wait to see you over there. And now without further ado, let's get into today's conversation. I had a TikTok bitch on the podcast, Mary Mondlock. I discovered this woman through TikTok. I was obsessed with her personality and her take on body positivity, her take on weight gain. And I was so thrilled that she was willing to join me for a conversation on the podcast. We talk about dealing with weight gain as a performer. Um, Mary's an actress and in her industry, obviously, there are a lot of hangups about weight and a lot of pressure to be a certain body type, to be cast in certain things. We talk about being in a queer relationship and having a different body than your significant other and how that can affect you mentally um, and how to share those feelings with your partner. And we also deal with having to set boundaries with family members and other practical ways that you can learn to accept and even love your body. I think you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about it. So let's get into this week's conversation with the one, the only, Mary Mondlock. How many shrimps do you have to eat before you make your skin turn pink? Eat too much and you'll get sick. Shrimps are pretty rich. <laughs> You guys, I'm so psyched to share my guest today. She's an actress. She lives in New York City, and she is a rising TikTok bitch. And this is how I discovered her. I am obsessed with her TikTok presence. Mary Mondlock, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. So happy to have you. This is the first time we're actually meeting, and your smile yes. is so infectious. I feel like we're already friends. <laughs> we um, are. We're, we're besties. We're besties. Yeah. I, I would love to hear how you got involved in the body positive space on TikTok. Um, totally by accident, to be completely honest with you. I was like, well, I'm 27, so I'm a an aging millennial, if you mm -hmm. will. I'm ancient in TikTok years. Um, <laughs> I'm 31 over <laughs> here, so I relate. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's fine. We're we're living the dream. I go um, on there and to be quite honest, I am so overwhelmed by the stimuli and 
I get a little bit like flustered at how young people consume content. I sound like I'm 85 years old, but that <laughs> I get so overwhelmed because everything moves so fast and everything's like bright, flashy colors. And, and it just overwhelms my brain, which is why I haven't figured out the TikTok game yet, but Oh, you it's, sit. it's overwhelming. It's so overwhelming and everything just moves so fast. But that's why people are able to go viral so easily is because, mm -hmm. you know, they promote small, smaller accounts and then they can grow really fast. And I think it's a really great platform for sharing information and also just watching people do incredible dances. Um, but <laughs> but also yeah, for I the mean, body positivity space, it's been really good. For sure. I'm definitely not doing incredible dances. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I actually didn't download TikTok for the majority of the pandemic. I downloaded it like at the beginning of this year, maybe beginning of February. And I, uh, my fiance, Natalie, her family's in Kentucky and we spent most of quarantine there. And she has uh, three uh, teenage cousins who are all females and they were uh, talking about TikTok to me. And I was like, what the actual fuck is TikTok? And <laughs> they were like, you're old. I was like, yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware of that. Okay. But you need to explain it to me. And they were, I was like, isn't it just, yeah. They're like, I was like, isn't it just like underage girls dancing, like in their bikinis? Like I can't get behind that. They're like, no. <laughs> and they showed me their for you pages and it was all like curated for them. Lots of like, LGBTQ um, creators and, you know, like this was uh, right in the heart of the Black Lives Matter movement. And there was so much content about that. And it kind of like set off a little fire in my brain. And I was like, wait, I've been wanting to do this for so long and to like tell my story and being an actress in New York City and being body shamed. And, you know, this all goes back so far. And if I can share my weight gain and uh, mental health struggles, like, yeah, sure. Why not? So I made one silly little video. It started getting some traction. It had like 10 K views. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm absolutely famous. It's quit I'm my famous. job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, that's honestly what a time to do it though, because that was a time that there was so much uncertainty and also a lot of insecurity with people with their bodies. Like I was hearing mm -hmm. it nonstop from people, you know, how do I deal with the quarantine? How do I deal with gaining weight in quarantine? So I think that was a time that sharing your story was probably really valuable to people. Yeah. I mean, what a bummer that in our society, I think, especially in the U S it was not about, wow, our bodies got us through this incredible time. It got us through this pandemic alive and kept us well for the most part like what we came out of that with was like how do we lose the quarantine 15 i know i was like ah what the fact that man. there's even a phrase for it is an abomination <laughs> i know it makes my skin crawl but yeah it sort of just blew up one day and then um you know i'd still be considered like a smaller creator but it is pretty wild to think that like almost 200,000 people are listening to what I have to say I know and, um feels pretty cool honestly Congrats. I think that's amazing can you tell me a little bit about what your life was like before you went to Kentucky like what was your life as an actress in New York City like yeah so... and I guess what is it like now but I assume it's changed a little bit <laughs> just a little yeah uh yeah so I was actually on cruise ships performing before oh. I before the pandemic. Uh, my fiance and I met on cruise ships. She's a dancer. I'm a singer. Um, I had done a lot of like regional theater, off Broadway stuff, and I kept getting like so close to um, being in like the final three for Broadway shows and for you know big stuff like that. And I was so broke living here my first like 22 just got out of a relationship uh just what a rough time and this was in 2016 and 2017 I I booked a cruise ship gig and I was like I told myself I'd never do this but I'm gonna do it because it's good money you get to travel why not yeah so that I did for like 
two and a half years. And we were actually stuck in Asia on our last ship when the coronavirus hit. No. Yeah. Um, So was was your fiance there on the ship with you? Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. All of our, all of our stuff together. Um, so that was the saving grace and we were safe. Nobody on our ship, like got sick, but yeah, that's what I was doing performing wise before. And then we got off the boat one day in Hawaii after being quarantined for 45 days and started just looking for survival jobs in the midst of this wild time. Wow. So you said that you had dealt with getting, you know, so close to getting a role. And I mean, that's just the game. Like I'm a, I'm a comedian and it's the same thing. Like you have to deal with so much rejection and that's just simply part of the job. But what did that do to your self-esteem? Like how did that affect you coming so close several times and not getting it? I mean, I think it still affects me to this day. I'm getting back into auditioning right now after a significant weight gain um, to bring it all full circle here. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm a much, much different person than I was when I first got here, you know, almost seven years ago. Uh, so I think sometimes I have to take myself out of who I used to be straight out of college, very insecure, um, malnourished, like going through an incredibly hard time. Um, I have to take myself out of her sometimes when I step into an audition room now and remind myself of all the work that I've done, especially on my mental health and in the body positivity space. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's always going to be a work in progress. You know, it's hard to stand in front of people and have them 100% decide your fate without you really having a ton of input about it. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. And when you were growing up, were you always aspiring to be an actress? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty cliche. All I did. (laughs) Yeah. My mom and dad met in a band in the seventies. So they're musicians. Oh, wow. Um, That's fucking cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, my mom had like a fro, my dad had like the porn star mustache in the seventies and yeah, uh, their band was called Fantasia. Pretty sick. (sighs) What kind of music? (laughs) Oh, like, you know, classic rock and like Whitney Houston, um, just like all the seventies hits at the time. And then they did that all through me growing up. So it was such a musical household. My brother's a drummer and, um, my mom always did shows in our small town. So I would always go with her and yeah, that was always the goal. And I feel like it's totally like shaped into something. I was just thinking about this yesterday, actually. I was like, I don't think my ultimate goal anymore is to like be on Broadway, be like a theater kid. I mean, that would be so cool, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I'm not going to like base everything in my life around that anymore. You know? Yeah. I think it's healthy. No, I mean, it's such a, it's like a, an industry of insecurity, I think. And it just like (laughs) fosters insecurity, but in terms of body image at what point, or, you know, you can speak to, if you felt pressure, like I've heard from friends of mine that were involved in musical theater, that they were aware very early that the ingenue had to be a certain type. And if you were not that type, that you were either, you know, the funny friend or in the chorus or whatever. And it's very political, it seems. So I'm wondering, did you notice that? And like, at what point did you notice that? Oh, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think I was probably 14 or 15 in my high school. Um, you know, hearing girls talk about like, oh, well, I'm the fat friend, so I'm probably going to be cast as the funny girl. Or, you know, like, what a fucking disservice we did to ourselves in this industry that was created by, let me get on my soapbox for a second here. Oh, please do. (laughs) Old white men. And we kept these tropes of like, you have to be stunning and a size two to be like conventionally stunning um, to be the lead in a show. Or you have to be, you know, the funny friend if you're on the heavier side. Like, 
oh, it's disgusting. And I think it's changing a little bit, but I was aware, yeah, as early as like pre-teenage. And I've definitely faced a ton of, uh, and let it be known, like I'm aware that I am not the most oppressed body type and I'm by no means, uh, I'm not even considered plus size. Right. Um, by, you know, measured numbers. But um, I, in the past few years, have faced a ton of discrimination based on my body. I was told, um, I won't say the company's name, but I was told that I would lose my job if I didn't lose 20 pounds in a month. Um, in a I month? Verbatim. In a month, oh. in a month, babe. Yeah, I mean, and I took it. I took it not one time, but twice. Oh twice, I was sat down. Yeah. How did you I respond to down. that? Did, did that make you go on a diet? Did you try to lose twenty pounds in a month? Absolutely. Yeah. And this wow. was twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. I mean, I it really fired off every neuron in my brain that said, you're not good enough. You're never going to work again. If you don't do this, like you have to be a rule abiding, <laughs> nice little girl about this, you know? And yeah. I didn't say anything in the moment. And it's honestly one of my biggest, I don't really have a lot of regrets, but that is a big regret is that, you know, but it's hard. It's hard, especially as a woman in this industry too, to have a great performing job. And I know I'm not the only one and to speak up in those situations. So that totally really led me to um, being in this body positivity and acceptance space now. And what has that process been like for you? I, you don't have to say, you know, how much weight you've gained or, you know, you don't have to say weight numbers or anything, but what has that process been like just getting used to being in a new body and not seeing it as like, this downfall of your professional career? Oh, I have no problem saying the amount of weight I've gained. Actually, I haven't weighed myself in months. Like, uh, so I'm not really positive. Uh, I'm probably at my heaviest right now that I've ever been. I feel the healthiest that I've ever been. Um, I think By I've the gained... way, I don't weigh myself either. And we say, we talk all the time on this show about how it's the most detrimental thing that you can do to yourself smash those motherfucking scales like if I can tell you one thing take the batteries out like don't get new batteries for your scale like keep it at bay for as long as you can and you know if you slip up and you weigh yourself that's fine but like that number is not going to change anything about who you are um I know we've heard all the cliches so much before but I also really strongly believe in that, but I think I've gained probably 50 pounds since I graduated um, college. And at that time, I mean, I was eating, I mean, trigger warning calories and stuff, but I was, I was eating 800 calories a day and working out twice a day and thinking that was what I had to do to be Mm -hmm. successful in this industry. Um, And that really did fuel a lot of it. Like I had this voice in my head that truly would not go away. And I, I used to blame that a lot on other people not seeing me withering away, I think, especially back then. And I, and I looked back on it for a long time. Like, can't you see that I'm skin and bones right now? Can't you see that I am about to faint right here while I'm singing this song in class? And right. It wasn't on them. You got positive attention for it. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty gross. Like if you're skin and bones and you can fit into any costume at any given time, like you're praised for it. You are praised when you lose weight and not even in our industry, but I think, um, all of those experiences, I'm not saying any of these things to be like, take pity on me. I say them to inform and to let people know that if they're also going through these things, like they're not alone. Oh, um, no, not. And, and to go back to the thing that we were talking about with the scale, I cannot believe that I still go into people's guest bathrooms and they have scales there. I mean, yeah. when when we say that the weight stuff is rampant, it really is rampant. And it's not just if you're an entertainer, it seems to be like the main focus for 
a woman at any age. Like I, I go into the guest bathroom of my father's house and there's a scale there. I go into the guest bathroom of, you know, certain friends I have and there are scales there. It seems like we all are very hyper-conscious about our weight because we know that our weight carries more meaning than just a number. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, for example, we were doing our wedding registry um, for next April. And one of the first things that was on, like, for gifts to buy was, like, a really fancy scale. And I was like, good God, can we not? Like, can we not do that? That would be amazing if we just did. It's just become a cornerstone of how we live. Yeah. I mean, people don't even know that you can go to the doctor and choose to look away and have them. You can choose to not be weighed. Mm -hmm. I mean, when they weigh you, you can also say, I do not want you to tell me. And, you know, you can avoid these things. And it it's sad that it takes so much effort to avoid them. But, do you um, do that at the doctor? Yeah. Do you, do you um, request I haven't weight? been to the... I have been since I last... I have been since I last, uh, I, <laughs> last time I went, yes, I requested to, I don't think I requested not to be weighed, but I requested that I don't see the number and that I, they don't say it out loud. Um, but I also know people who've done that and it like, they haven't paid attention to that. Yeah. It's so tough because the, and the reason why I ask is because the times that I have done that, they end up saying it anyway. Like you'll I be know, I'm like, scale, Hello? you'll be facing away and they'll just say the number to some other nurse. Like you can't <laughs> like you're deaf in that room. Um, yeah, they're like, ah, she won't hear. <laughs> they're like that is one of the things that's so tough is that even if you don't weigh yourself and even if you know that you're going to obsess over that number, you still go to the doctor and the chances of you hearing it are pretty high anyway. Right. And I think that's why it's so important to do as much to set yourself up for success when it comes to recovering from an eating disorder or recovering from just not loving yourself for such a long time. And, you know, things will come in your way. Like there will be, you know, mountains to climb. And I think as long as you can get yourself enough gear to set boundaries with people and set those boundaries at the doctor. And like, you know, you can't control what other people are going to do. Mm -hmm. So there will always be <laughs> ads for diets and, you know, like even wedding dress shopping the past few weeks, I, I felt myself getting nervous. And I, I honestly couldn't pinpoint it. And then I got there. I was like, Oh, my fiance is a size four. And I know that most of these sample sizes are probably not going to fit me. Thankfully, I got over that and I was like, no, this is my dress. It will fit my body. I know that this size has absolutely nothing to do with me. And I think as long as you really, really sit down and are honest with yourself and I know it's not easy, trust me, I still struggle. But like, if you can sit down with yourself and really practice self-acceptance, like those moments will not hit as hard. You will have yeah. armor to protect you a little bit more. Totally. I, that is so interesting. I didn't even consider that you're in a same sex relationship and your fiance is in a smaller body than you. Mm -hmm. Does that come into play in your relationship? Do you find yourself, I don't want to say, I don't want to say jealousy, but I, but maybe do you find yourself expecting judgment or just feeling insecure because of the difference in your bodies? You know, I wouldn't say I've ever experienced jealousy when it comes to Natalie and the size of her body. Um, I mean, she's just like a really compact human. Like yeah. she's like five Well, she's a dancer one. too. Yeah. Um, and I think honestly, mostly it's had to deal with when she met me, I was at one of my thinnest weights that I've ever been at. Mm. Um, and I've had this weight gain since we met and fell in love. And, you know, I still have to catch myself sometimes and be like, I know you still love me for me, but I have to check in with you and be like, are you still attracted to me? Are you, how do you feel about this bigger body? And that is so heinous. And I understand that, but like, 
it's okay to have those feelings as well. Um, you have to allow I also think it's that. okay to, to ask for that reassurance if that's what you need. Absolutely. To an extent, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I think that also is something that I've talked a lot about in therapy and like being bigger than your partner is just something people don't really consider, especially in same sex relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, because like people always ask like, Oh, you can share each other's clothes. You can do this stuff. I'm like, bitch, who's sharing clothes? Who? Because I'm not like, I yeah, can fit I'm not half of my on... ass cheek in there. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, no, I'm not putting babe. on Barbie clothes. No. <laughs> <laughs> like she could shop at the baby gap and I'm, but like, she gets insecure. What's been so interesting is like, she's been the first woman that I've been in a super long-term relationship with. And so you really see the ins and outs of, um, how very thin societally accepted bodies can have so much stigma as well. Um, you know, like there's just some things that I, I don't expect either, like her being a dancer and she's, she also has, she wouldn't mind me saying this has gained a bit of weight over quarantine as well. Obviously she hasn't been in class. She yeah. hasn't been performing. Yeah. Just she decreased activity. Of course. And so, you know, she has internalized, uh, insecurities about her body as well. And I don't think you have to be a certain size to express those. Um, and we're very open about it, you know, like she's really one of the only people at this point where I go to, and I'm like, Hey, checking in with you. I'm having a really hard body image day. Um, cause sometimes it's hard when you're like in this body positivity space and you want to only share the good days. And, um, that's just not realistic. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, all that to say, like, I don't think I've experienced jealousy surrounding, her size, but I have experienced insecurity as I've gained weight through this relationship. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, The thing that you said about, you know, being bigger than your partner, I am not bigger than my boyfriend, but we are about the same size because he's very Mm -hmm. slim for a man and he even wears smaller jeans than me. And I joke all the time about the whole like boyfriend jeans being like not a thing that applies to me at all because I put on his <laughs> jeans and I can't get them past my hips. And it's so funny. Like we've kind of adopted this idea that like you need to be this dainty little woman and like you need to be smaller than your partner to be, a, you know, and it's uh-uh. just it's such bullshit because we're also all shaped differently. Like forget a man or a woman. We are all as humans shaped differently. We're all literally just meat sacks walking around. (laughs) Like I, and I can't tell you, like, I don't know, something that just fired off in my brain when you said we're all shaped differently. I remember the first time when I was, you know, not to like harken back to all these negative memories, but they've turned out to be positive things I can look back on to learn from and who I don't want to be to other young girls growing up. Um, but I remember very specifically the first time that somebody told me I had childbearing hips. I was way too young to be told that. You're like, bitch, um, I don't have my period. I said, girl, ovulation who? What are you talking about? They're like, you're going to have no problem, sweetie. I'm like, oh, okay, Ew. for sure. Yeah, for sure. And like little memories like that, like, what? Like I've always been considered so womanly and like I developed early. And honestly, that really struck a chord with me growing up is like, that was always my excuse was like, oh, well you just don't have hips. So like, of course I can't ever look like you. No bitch, I can't ever look like you because I live in this vessel. I was supposed to live in this vessel. Like, and now I'm at the point where I'm like, thank God I had childbearing hips. Cause one of us is going to have to carry a baby someday. And <laughs> that tiny, tiny little meat sack over there. She's, she's, she will not be okay. And I'm going to take on that responsibility with pride. Like, Although, okay, go you off. Know, she is a dancer. I would think with that core, like she probably has the core <laughs> strength to push out a few kids. Yeah. And, and I do not have that. So, <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. We'll work together. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I wouldn't underestimate her physique because because she's probably doing the, the core work 
in a class that could yeah. push out a child. I would assume. Okay. I don't okay, know because I've sure. never taken a dance class, but I have taken Pilates, and that's that's what I have to say. Uh, about that. Right, um, right, right, right. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> I have people write to me all the time about like, you know you talk about breaking free from diet culture and you talk about accepting your body. I'm personally, I'm very firm in that. Like you don't always have to love your body because mm. you're a human and hu uh, as a human, you're not going to be feeling your best every single day. And you're not going to be like feeling at home in your body. And like your body is your own personal Nirvana every day. That would just be unrealistic. But I do think, respecting your own body and learning to accept that that is the way it is, is way more important than focusing on loving your body. But I have people say to me, well, how do I even get to the acceptance part? Like, how do I feel my feelings and also work toward accepting myself the way I am? Do you have anything that's worked for you that they could glean from with that? Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head with all of that. That's exactly how I feel. And um, I think something really tangible that you can do to just get to, I call it my baseline level. Like I want to live at my baseline most days. Sometimes I'm a little under. Sometimes I think I am fucking Beyonce walking down mm -hmm. the steps at, you know, Beachella. Like That's sometimes a good I'm day. Like, Am I in Kim Kardashian's body? Like I am perfect. <laughs> and then other days I'm like, okay, for sure. I'm applying for my 600 pound life next week. Like other, mm -hmm. like other days I don't feel great, but I think I've gotten to a point by truly just trying to attain that baseline where I can live there most of the time. Um, but you have to get there before you can go anywhere else. Right. I think that's really where we've gotten to a point on social media where the body positive movement has, which was originally created by fat black women. Yes. Has gotten into a murky territory, um, where I think a lot of creators only share the positive things like I was talking about before. And it's so important to share your negative days. Like toxic negativity is definitely a thing, but so is toxic positivity. And I 100%. think some, yeah, tangible ways to get there literally. And this is going to sound so wild and it might take you a little bit of time to get there, but two things, get naked, get nude, and stand in front of a mirror and make shapes with your body. Literally like contort make your body. Shapes. Like this is something a friend told me years ago. My friend Carrie told me this and I was like, you are wild. <laughs> Hippy dippy doo da day. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And sure as hell, I went home that night and was like nude in the mirror making shapes. And I was like, oh, this is just a weird thing that we were all given and it makes weird shapes. And even the skinniest of people are going to sit there and contort some rolls on their bodies. Like everybody has it. Look at that cellulite. How weird. Like we think these dimples are cute on your face. Why don't I think these dimples are cute on my thighs? You know, like you just discover these things. Yeah. Um, Good. Point. And also like, yeah. That's kinda, and also sounds kind of trippy. <laughs> it is. It really is. And I, I was like, oh, this sounds a little woo woo for me. But I, I started doing that like at least once a day. And uh, I don't know, just having time to explore myself. Um, and you start to kind of see yourself from a different perspective, from an outside place. Um, I think doing that really helped me to start it off. It seems like that would help sometimes in photographs, depending on the angle, you know, you can think that you're a completely different person than in another photograph. Oh, yes. So I would think doing this would actually make you really aware that angles are everything. And like, this is the same body and from different angles, it could look completely different. And just to normalize that, if that makes sense. For sure. And, um, you know, for a long time, I wouldn't look at photos of myself 
But I think that's another thing that I started doing was like even taking pictures of yourself, keeping them in a separate file on your phone, not for social media, not for anything else. This friend also recommended this to me years ago and keeping a private photo album of just myself from different angles to see that I am not just a body like but at the same time this body is just a body it doesn't have to look a certain way and it it looks different from every angle right and also I think honestly one of the most important things that I've done um because we're all so consumed with social media all the time I don't care if you think you aren't like you are no it plays Um, a huge role in our everyday lives yeah and it's not going anywhere no it's only it's gonna envelop us more and honestly I appreciate social media so much thank god that I what I was gonna say another tangible thing that I really did is that I I went through and I unfollowed creators that made me feel shitty about myself and it wasn't even about them trying to make me feel shitty because I know that wasn't their aim and it isn't their aim but I started to follow people who look like me I saw myself in those other females, especially. I follow Mix Ezone. Um, oh gosh, what is her name? Her name is Julia. Um, she's one of my favorite creators. I'll give you the name for after. Yeah, you know what? And, if you um, want, you could give me a few names of ones that you like, and I could lift, list them in the show notes because I think people are always looking for people their size or bigger to follow because I say that all the time too. For sure. I would love to do that. Um, But I did that. I really went through and I was, I curated my social media to fit what I needed to see. And honestly, at a certain point, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to follow girls bigger than me because that will make me feel better about my body because I'm smaller than them. Like, no, that wasn't what it was about at all. It was seeing females, which I realized I had seen very few of in my entire existence loving themselves or accepting themselves and talking so openly um, about these issues and about their recovery and doing that and like even blocking like the celebrities you follow whose photos are so retouched and like they're not real following real people Um, and then lastly just surrounding myself with I always used to say I was a guy's girl maybe because I was such a closeted lesbian for so long. <laughs> um, but I can't I relate to I, being a guy's girl at all. I like don't even talk to boys. I am a girl's well, girl I, through and through. Yeah, for me right now, it's all the girls' gays things, all of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I said that for so long because I was always seeking validation from males. Um, I see. Yeah, that that is a trope, right? Like the guy's girl that can just like be cool and like not give a shit. She's aloof. She drinks beer. It's like, all right, we don't need to make (laughs) this a type of person. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not cool. I'm never going to be cool or like classically cool. (laughs) I don't want to be. I've accepted that. But I think like surrounding myself with strong, powerful women who... I can talk to the, I can talk about these things with, and it doesn't matter if they're a size two. I mean, some of my, like, I was looking at my bridal party the other day. I can't even tell I have wedding on the brain. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I promise I would never be one of those girls who's obsessed with their wedding. Oh, you bitch. know what? I, I want to hear about it. I do want to hear about it because planning <laughs> a wedding right now seems stressful. Honestly, I have turned into a Pinterest mom. I really have. Like, I am fully in it. I love it. I'm not even stressed out. And I think it's because I'm just so fucking excited to marry Natalie. Anyway, I was looking at my bridal party the other day. We were all just hanging out. And one girl's like literally a size zero. One girl is, I mean, I don't know her size, but like she's closer in size to I am. Like a whole array of these beautiful, strong women. That's surrounding me. Yeah. And I think that's something everyone can do you can really surround yourself with the people or set boundaries with the people that you need to you know if you leave a situation feeling more drained and negative about yourself than when you came into that situation it's time to reevaluate 
setting boundaries with family too. Like I get so many messages and so many comments and it, I mean, it literally breaks my heart every day from teenage girls saying like, but my mom is the one who body shames me. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I know mine too. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, it's, it sucks that it's so common And that is the, that's one of the things that's so great about being an adult is you finally are your own person and you can say, Hey mom, you make me feel really shitty when you say stuff like that. And if you keep saying stuff Mm -hmm. like that, I'm not going to be able to hang out with you anymore. I mean, that's like an extreme example, but like you have the power to set those boundaries. Yeah. But like, is it extreme? I don't know. It feels extreme to me to be like, I won't talk to you anymore if you, but, but they love you. And to like, be able to communicate that something they, they do hurts you is the most empowering thing that you can do. Um, and just like the opposite of being a child and being completely stuck in that cycle of like, all right, well, they're my parents. I can't talk back, you know, being an adult and being able to set those boundaries is so empowering and like really did make a difference to me in my recovery too. Yeah. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. That's what I always tell, um, like these girls, I mean, I do preface with like, I am not a medical professional. I'm still working on this, but I can be your friend right now. Um, and listen to you because the people who you are required to spend time with right now, who you are bound to financially, um, are not giving you that support. Like I always say, you know, you can't maybe leave your home, but you can shut off your ears for a second. And like, it sounds really elementary and I know it's not that easy, but like you can detach from those situations from a little bit and like, go write them down, go get them out and fucking go like, I don't know, on a run and scream. Like- And apply to an out of state college. Love that. Get a job as soon as possible. Like, yes. don't stay there. Detached. Don't stay in Minnesota, girl. Do not stay there. Oh, oh I'm from Wisconsin. From Are a you town from of like Wisconsin? People. Yes. Oh, yes. That is, that's adorable. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I, yeah, I've had to set those boundaries and be like, hey, I know that this is a you problem right now. And like, I'm more than willing to sit here and talk out those insecurities with you. But like, I refuse to let you project those things onto me right now. And it takes, it hurts. It really hurts to have to do that. Um, And some people never do. And I have 50 year old women who come to me and they're like, I can still hear my mom talking about Weight Watchers in the kitchen. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I know. And I'm not saying I have it all figured out. By no means am I perfect in doing these things, but I don't think you're too old to do that. I'm not even sure you're too young to do that. Like Mm -hmm. to say out loud those things and it really might trigger something in these family members or loved ones brains to go, whoa, nobody's ever called me out on this. Maybe this is about me. Yeah. Or it will, you know, show you that you can't have them present in that aspect of your life. Right. To know know their limitations. Cause sometimes people, you can't change a person, even if they are your parents, they're fully grown and maybe they have certain limitations that like, they're not going to be able to see things your way, but that's valuable to know also. And I, I always say like to phrase it, to always phrase things in the way that's like, it would be helpful for me if you could avoid Mm. this topic it like don't make it about that person make it about what's helpful for you because obviously they love you i hope they love you they're your parents you know but yeah so to communicate it like that of course they would want to be accommodating and want to try to help you feel better absolutely um and you know (laughs) this goes back full circle to the blame thing you know, and until you say something out loud, which I know can be such a vulnerable place and takes a long time to sort out your thoughts to do that sometimes, especially if you're not an outspoken person. I've never had that problem. <laughs> I, am I can see that. A talker. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it did take me a long time to actually say those things out loud to my family members and say, like, this makes me feel terrible. 
when you say this, use those therapy skills, like use those I statements, use those I feel statements. Um, Because sometimes that really does work and you can't blame other people for not seeing your pain, especially when it comes to body shaming. You can't blame them until you say something out loud to them. And then if they make mistakes after that, you know, you can choose to gently remind them. Or if it's really gotten to a place where nothing's going to change, you can choose to set an even further boundary. But you can't blame people in your life for the struggles you're having unless you speak them out loud, which might sound harsh, but like that's a realization I've really had to come to even in the past few months. Like relying on me, even when it comes to like my anxiety and depression, like Sometimes I'll look at Natalie and be like, why aren't you helping me? And she's like, what are you talking about? You were just smiling and eating at dinner. Like nothing was fucking wrong. You you're psycho. Like, Wait, um, I'm like, yeah. you're not a mind reader. <laughs> yeah. What? Like you're not my therapist. No, no, no. she's not. Nobody yeah. is, but your therapist. So, you know, went off the rails a little bit there, but. But communication is what we're talking about. Yeah. Like, like don't Absolutely. assume that people should know something do your best to communicate what you need and the people who care about you will respond to that accordingly. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been such a delight. Where can people find you and follow you? Um, My TikTok is just my first and last name, Mary Mondlock. No, it's not. That's a lie. That's a complete and utter lie. (laughs) Um, It's Mary Louise Mondlock, my full name. Um, and then Instagram is in my bio on TikTok. And it's just my first and last name, Mary Mondlock. Beautiful. Um, and I'll, yeah. I'll uh, tag you in the show notes as well. And just thanks again for coming on. I feel like I've gotten to know you. We formed a sisterhood. And I feel like people are going to learn a lot from this interview. Oh, thank you so much. This is, it's just, I never get sick of talking about this stuff. Me neither. I, That's why I have I a hope, podcast about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. All right. That was this week's conversation with Mary Mondlock. I would love to hear your guys's feedback. So once again, join me on discord. There will be a special thread just for this episode where we can chat all about the episode and things that you agreed with things that you might have added on to. This is meant to spark a conversation people. So let's converse. And that's where you can find me until next week when I come back with a brand new edition of RIP Diets. Have a fabulous week. Peace out. Mm-hmm.